I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. Before we get to my guest, I want to tell you about The Athletic. It's a subscription-based sports website, and it is great. You can hear and listen to everything, not listen to, read everything that Brett Dawson does. You can listen to him on the OKC Dream Team, but that's not a part of The Athletic. But you got to read everything that Brett Dawson does there. Fred Katz, everything that he writes is on there. You can go back and read the article that he did with Michele Barra at the beginning of the season about passing accuracy. Uh, it's a great article. You can also go and read the Ethan Strauss pieces about Kevin Durant, which I honestly, I would subscribe just for that because it is glorious. Right now you can get 40% off of The Athletic when you go to theathletic.com backslash dunk. That's theathletic.com backslash dunk. Support the people that support down to dunk. And go get your subscription with The Athletic. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what up? It's all over, Andrew. (laughs) Reporting live from Thunder Twitter. (laughs) It is all over. Yeah, the Thunder lost 131 to 120 in Minnesota. Brutal. Not not super shocking they lost in Minnesota. I mean, honestly. Uh, But the, the way they played on the defensive end was just pathetic. Uh, the Thunder lost the turn. the The key stat to me is the Thunder lost the turnover battle, twelve to nine. Like the Thunder turning it over twelve times, like that's typically okay. Uh, but you can't tell me that this Minnesota team is like the most disciplined team in the NBA. The Thunder couldn't get the ball from them. Uh, I just think that the Thunder defense is just not engaged right now. Yeah, and wh- how do you explain that? Like I can't tell if it's just everyone or if we really do need to be blaming Steven Adams the whole Steven Adams thing is really difficult for me to wrap my head around because yeah. I don't I, I I can't like on the on the one hand in the, uh, like in the Memphis game he was one of the best players on the court he had 22 rebounds he had eight offensive rebounds so he, he's still having these like flash games and he is actually his rebound totals have been pretty significant lately but just like something's off with the defense and so i i look to him because he's kind of been the linchpin of that defense for a long time him along with paul george yeah um and i don't know if it's both of them who do you (laughs) what do you chalk this up to andrew i just think it's a team-wide thing i do think that steven obviously has not been good i mean no one can can say with a straight face that steven adams has been great for this team uh he hasn't and it's a problem because his his ability to defend, like he can defend at a higher level than what he is right now. Like I firmly believe that. Uh, is it going to change the fact? Is it going to change Carl Anthony Towns' game a whole lot? I don't know. I mean, you can you can play the best defense on him, and he's still going to kill you. I mean, some people are like, well, you should have kept Nerlens on him. Well, he's cooking Nerlens. Like he's killing him. He's killing Jeremy Grant. He's killing everybody. So like, I don't think that you can say that this is just like a Stephen Adams problem. 
Uh, one, I think that everyone is looking for somebody to blame, and Patrick Patterson doesn't play anymore. Uh, and you know, Steven is just an, he's an easy one to see. Um, I do think that he's been bad though. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with everybody that's upset with Steven. Uh, but I think there's, I mean, I think that you can look at Billy. Uh, I don't think that he's blameless in this. I think that you've seen two seasons in a row that the defense starts out really good and then drops off a cliff. Uh, last year you could point to the Andre Robertson injury and say, that's the whole thing. And, you know, I think that the Dre part was sincerely a massive part of the defense falling apart. But like, what's the reason this season? <laughs> right? Yeah, is falling I, apart. I uh, kind of thought when Paul George was out, it was like, well, maybe this is just like Dre part two, where mm-hmm. they lose their best defensive piece and the team just kind of loses their way. And maybe it's just Paul George coming back. You know, is his very first game back? But still, last night, I mean, everyone was there. And you're yeah. just like, why are they playing? Why is this happening right now? Yeah, it's, it's not. And it's not just, you know, these last couple of games. I mean, the defense hasn't been good for a little while. They True. They have yeah. not been a top-level defense since December, probably. I mean, they were beating teams on the offensive end with their last win streak. I don't think that they were a great defensive team then. Uh, I, I think that that's a fair question to ask. Why has the defense dropped off two seasons in a row? Uh, last year it was easy to blame the absence of Dre and the presence of Mello. And now like all we have are like really good athletes <laughs> that are good defenders in the starting lineup. And you can look at Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder was really bad. I don't hear, I don't hear enough of blame going on Dennis, but he was horrible. I mean, he made Derek Rose look like MVP Derek Rose last night. Uh, in a lot of ways, Derek, played 20 minutes and he was eight of 14 he had 19 points in 20 minutes and they were all mostly at the expense of Dennis Schroeder who played 29 minutes and was four of eight from the field had 14 points like that's a fine night efficiency wise but um, he was a minus eight which makes sense <laughs> poor Steven is a minus 16 yeah uh, yeah it, I <laughs> You were probably watching the OKC feed, but the Minnesota feed, I, I don't watch a lot of Minnesota games, but their announcers were super nice. Oh, really? And they were just saying nice things about the Thunderall <laughs> game, and it was really making me angry. <laughs> I felt like they were doing like reverse psychology on me because like every time Schroeder, they mentioned Schroeder's defense like five times during the game. Yeah. Like, oh, he's been such a spark plug for them off the bench, and I'm just yelling at my screen. No. Like, Stop telling me nice things. Yeah, he was not. I did not think he was very good last night. He struggled lately. And I I like that he didn't take as many shots uh, last night. But he's he's not been good for the Thunder as of late. Uh, I thought maybe like the only guy I thought that was like good was Russell. (laughs) Russell. (laughs) Poor Russell. Like he has a, a good game shooting wise, you know, 15 to 28 from the field. That's great. Five of ten from three, awesome. From the free throw line, bad. The whole team was bad. Eighteen of thirty-one from the free throw line. That's just unacceptable. Um, but yeah, he's. It, it was just a weird. It was just a weird night. It was a weird night where I thought the offense played well enough. They scored one hundred twenty points. I thought the ball moved well. I thought they got good shots. I didn't think that it was disjointed like they were against Memphis. It looked like the Thunder offense, but. Um, the defense was just atrocious. I mean, it was just an unacceptable level of defense. And now the 
the Timberwolves are seven and two in their last nine against OKC. <laughs> they they're just this team that just has our number, and and I was I went on and read some uh, like some Wolves blogs, and they're just as dumbfounded. By the way, <laughs> they like they don't get it. I was reading Canis Hoopus, and they're like, "Yeah, we just beat this team for some reason. Like, this is a team that w- just lost to the Wizards like within the last week, right?" Yeah, they for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but they when they play the Thunder, they get up for the Thunder. Everybody does. And last night it wasn't Wiggins. Um, Wiggins was three of six from three, so maybe it was some of it was Wiggins, but he didn't have a crazy game like he's had. Uh, it was Towns that was amazing. I thought Teague was great. Derrick Rose was really good. Uh, they got really good contribution from uh, Josh Koji, who was two of three from three. A guy that's, let me look, he can't be shooting better than 30% from three this season. <laughs> He's shooting 27% from three this season. And he looked like a guy shooting that three in from the corner. You're like, oh, wow. Has he been doing this all year? I looked at him, nope. No, not doing it all year. <laughs> yeah, he was a plus 20. And he played some good defense, too. He had some nice uh, defensive plays. There was one in particular against Westbrook. Yeah, he's good, man. I like him. He's a He seems very thundery to me out on the wing, uh, mostly because he's a good defender and makes only 27% of his threes. Uh, but yeah, this, this team is just in a weird place. Uh, and you saw with Boston, like Boston was in a very strange place two days ago. And they go out and they just kill, kill the Warriors on the road. So like things can change quickly. With this team, I don't think that there's like all hope is lost. What I mean, we've seen not, it. We've seen it with this team this season twice already. That when things felt like desperate, that they turn it around. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to, but I'm just saying that it's very possible. Yeah, I think what's scary to me is that they haven't really gotten to the tough part of their schedule yet. The tough part of their schedule starts on Thursday. Yeah, they put the the ten of the next twelve teams that they play are current playoff teams. 10 hey like the only breaks they get is miami and memphis yeah and they have to win both those games and there's a ton especially these next three games like if they come out of this with one win i would be pretty happy like (laughs) i'd be pretty happy andrew andrew at portland at the clippers at utah oh oh, oh, oh. i thought you meant out of the next 10 games (laughs) Yeah, if they if they went one and nine, I'd be I'd be happy. You know, you got to be satisfied with that. That's what I thought you meant. I was like, oh no, we are in a really bad place. I had no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, these next three games, like that, is brutal. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like they they've got to win one. They've they have got, to. They've got to win one of those. And preferably, I mean, they really need the Portland game because the next game against the Clippers is on the second night of a back to back. Yeah, so they're going to be flying from Portland to L.A. And then they get a little bit of a break before Utah. But man, it's the schedule is going to catch up with them. And you look at the standings, and now the Rockets are in third. Well, it's already caught them. Yeah. The Rockets are in third. The Blazers, like, I, I don't think they could drop lower than sixth. Yeah. But I definitely think six is like a realistic possibility now. Yeah. Just like it was last year. Yeah. You know, I mean, you just don't know. You don't know if you just never know what's going to happen from here on out. We can predict out and we can freak out, but uh, and they may end up at six, and 
It's obviously not ideal. Um, There's a part of me that wants them to start just bricking all their threes because I feel like that was <laughs> that was the key early in the season. They were so bad offensively that they had to play good defense. Right. They were forced to play good defense. And then in January, all of a sudden they just start shooting well. And it's like, oh, well, I guess we could take off a little yeah. time on the defensive end. <laughs> it's not that important. <laughs> yeah. I mean – it's they've got to they've got to start winning some of these games. They just do. Hold on, just one second. Here, okay. talk while I talk to my son. Hello, Archie. Oh, you want me to talk about the podcast? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the answer is for the Thunder. It definitely seems like the question should be on the defensive end. I mean, last night we talked about it, but offensively, like they were fine. Like it wasn't a perfect game. It was actually. Honestly, it was the type of game that you would you kind of expected going into the season where Westbrook was the unquestioned number one. He was the A1 option. He was the alpha dog. And then Paul George is playing that secondary role. It has not turned out this way that way this season. But last night was kind of a glimpse of that. It's kind of what I thought this offense was going to be like. Um, And it was fine. It was fine. It wasn't like the best that we've seen this season, but it was all on the defensive end. And I'm looking ahead at these games. And I'm getting terrified. I'm getting absolutely terrified about the offenses that we're about to see. So after the after Portland Clippers and Utah, then we have Brooklyn Nets. Then we have the Pacers. Then we have the Warriors. That's a big Saturday ABC game. Then you get the Miami game. That's a home game against Miami. You have to win it. Then you get back to back with Toronto yeah. at home and then away. You get the break with Memphis and then Indiana Denver. So those are the next 12 games. <laughs> what, what, like what is realistic for that stretch? Um, like f- 500 seems like it would just be a miracle. Like that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would mean that they beat four of those good teams. Yeah. They beat good teams this season. Like they, they've done it. Uh, and they, they just have to, they're going to have to step up. There's just no question that this team has just got to be better on the defensive end. And if they can reestablish their identity there, I think that they're going to be fine. Uh, but it's whether or not they can do that because they're, I just don't know that they're good enough to just outscore teams. Actually, I do know. I don't think they're good enough to outscore teams. So they've got to start reestablishing that identity that they said they wanted to have. They said it in the off season. The team did. Heading into the season, they said this is what we, who we want to be. They started the season, and that's who they were. Uh, and it was great until... I don't even know. I need to figure out where like the the marker was where they started losing. I feel like beginning of January, I feel like things kind of just dropped off a cliff for them uh, defensively. Maybe uh, maybe that Wizards game. It was the game right after the Blazers game that I got to go to. Shout out Patrick Patterson. Right. Uh, <laughs> January fourth, which was at that point their like best win of the season. Yeah. And then they lost their next three, but that first loss was to Washington. That was a game where they lost 116 to 98, just like mm-hmm. a complete like, how is this possible? And then the very next game was the Wiggins. I think that was the Wiggins like 44 point game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, they're they're kind of in this place because they didn't beat some like they lose to the Wizards at home, they lose to Minnesota at home, they lose to Atlanta and the Lakers. Like you can't lose those games. Like if you win those games, like you're not in terrible position right now to where, I mean, this, 
this lose this current streak where you lose four in a row, beat Memphis, then lose again, like that's really bad. It doesn't look quite as bad if you beat Atlanta and you beat the Lakers. Um, you know, beat the teams you're supposed to. Beat Dallas. You know, they lost to Dallas by two. Uh, and then, 30th. And, like you got to. And then you game. think about you think about during this current stretch, they're one like amazing. 10 out of 10 degree of difficulty Paul George shot and then that disgusting Memphis comeback away from being like 0 and 8 on an 8 game losing streak. It's so true. Yeah. It it's racer thin the line there. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can draw the line with this team at the All-Star break because they completely just let go of the rope against yeah, the Pelicans going into that All-Star, yeah, the Pelicans game. Because look at the streak they were coming off of. Like they lose to Boston. Like that was, it was a tough loss, but they still played well. Yeah, it was a really good game. You beat Orlando by ten, and that's not it. Like you go look at Orlando the past like few months. Like they've been pretty good. They're freaks. You kill Memphis one seventeen ninety five. You beat Houston in that comeback where they're down and they they fight back and they play outstanding defense in the second half and win that game. That was huge. They demolished Portland at home. And you think, okay, just beat the Pelicans and you're heading into the All-Star break, you know, riding high, and they completely lay an egg. And this this Pelicans team is feisty. I think that a lot of teams have, have definitely... Um, gone into playing them and completely underrated who they are because you know, they beat the Jazz and the Nuggets this week. So it's not like this is just the worst team ever, but that's a beatable team. Like You should have won that game. Uh, and then they win the double overtime, and yeah. and then every, Everything just started to unravel there when they just completely let go of their principles. And, and they weren't that far away from... They're not that far removed from having a good streak. Like I, I, This team is a good team. Um, but they've got they've got to figure it out, and I think the blame goes all around. Alex, we've got to take a quick break to talk about the Mule. The Mule is at 16th and Blackwelder near downtown Oklahoma City. It is a delicious gourmet grilled cheese restaurant and bar. They have a great beer and cocktail selection. It's a great place to go hang out. If you're looking for a place to go watch the, the Portland Trailblazers game, where can you go? Go to the Mule. I promise you will not regret it. It's got a great bar, great place to watch a game, and you can go get some cheese curds. You can go get uh, a great sandwich. You can get the herbivore. It has Vienna wheat, cashew cheese, roasted beets, mushrooms, sun-dried tomato pesto, avocado, grilled jalapenos, grilled onions, and chipotle aioli. It's amazing. Uh, The Cortez is one of my favorites. Jalapeno cornbread, braised short ribs, peppuccino, Grilled jalapeno, caramelized onion with spicy aioli. It's delicious. Get it with the French fries. I promise you, it's amazing. Support the people that support Down to Dunk and go eat at the Mule. It's All right. Well, you are. Are you ready to assign blame, Andrew? I'm ready. All right. We're about to play the blame game. Now, the blame game, Andrew. This is a game where I, negative, pessimistic Alex, force you. <laughs> positive optimistic andrew to blame someone anyone until i have been satiated now how this will work is i've chosen eight candidates for who should take the most blame for the thunder's recent stretch in which they've gone two and eight i have ranked them 
They will face off in battle, and you will be forced to tell me who is more to blame. Okay? By the end of this, you're going to have to choose one thing as the thing that you would blame the most. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to make you be super negative. This is great. Now, I tried to make these more specific things, so I'm not going to say something like the Thunder defense. That is too abstract of a thing to blame. I want names, Andrew, and I want them to pay. (laughs) Now, before we get started, I have two honorable mentions because I I was trying to get to 12, but I could only get to 10. So I had to cut it down to eight. So I have two honorable mentions. The first, Andrew, is the national media. Every time I'm listening to NBA pods right now, these national media losers are out here saying things like Paul George is probably the leading candidate for defensive player of the year yeah. or the Thunder are my pick for the West team with the best chance to knock off the Warriors. When will these biased coastal elites start talking about how terrible the Thunder are <laughs> so that I can complain about them and the Thunder can start winning again? I know. I'm sick of it. Yeah. The other the other honorable mention is Raymond Felton's presence on the court. <laughs> so in OKC's <laughs> First 55 games, 55 games. Mm-hmm. Andrew, how many of those games do you think Raymond Felton got a DNPN? Oh, how many? 50, probably. It was 40. He actually played in 15 games, but he had 40 DMPs. He had played in 15 of 55 games until the recent stretch. He has played in all but one of these games. Is that a coincidence, Andrew? Should I be blaming Felton? He's only getting 10 minutes, but maybe. Blaming Felton? Okay. Blaming Felton. Ooh, that's good. <laughs> if he was playing more, we would use that more. <laughs> okay, so first we're going to have... I actually thought he's been like pretty good. He's been fine. <laughs> I, I, I almost tweeted about him last night, and then he hit his one shot, which was a three. So I had to delete you that You were about tweet. to blame Felton him on Twitter? Yeah, I was just getting... I was just looking for anyone to blame, Andrew. <laughs> he's an easy target. He is an easy target. He's large. Okay. First is going to be our one seed versus the eight seed matchup, okay? Okay. So the number one seed is the Paul George injury. Okay. Now, obviously, Paul George's injury was a big deal, which is why I've ranked it number one. But may I remind you that during this two and six stretch, he's been there for five of those games, and OKC is one and four, okay? So just something to consider. Against the number eight seed, Steven Adams. Who does he think he is, Andrew? Some <laughs> nights he grabs 22 rebounds. Some nights he grabs one. Make up your mind, Steven. Is he doing too much, Andrew? Is he not doing enough? He's been thoroughly dominated by Jokic and Towns during this stretch. He's shooting 40% from the line. Who is more to blame, Andrew? Paul George injury or Steven Adams? Wow. Uh, for the entire streak, I mean, I think that it's in e- it's probably easier to argue that it's Steven. Whoa. Um, Whoa. But the, the last three, the, last, the three games prior. Oh, man. You uh, have to pick one, Andrew. I'm gonna, you can't weasel your way out. <laughs> I'll pick Paul George's injury. I think that that was oh, obviously wow. massively impactful to this team. They look so bad, dude, against Memphis. Okay. So, so bad. I just could not even believe it. They did not deserve to win that game. So I, I will try. I will in in that matchup. We'll say it was a buzzer beater because it sounds like it was pretty close. It was close. I I I, I was very close to choosing Stephen. I'll say that because he's okay. not been good. Next, the three six matchup. The number three seed is Russell Westbrook. 
Okay. On the one hand, Russ is finally shooting the ball well from three, a respectable 35.4% during this stretch. On the other hand, Russ is attempting 9.9 threes per game, which is terrifying. Now, on the one hand, Russ has had his two best games of the season, according to Basketball References game score statistics, during this stretch. The at the Pelicans game and Utah at home, those were, according to that statistic, his two best games of the season. On the other hand, his assist-to-turnover ratio is 7.8 assists now to 5.1 turnovers during this stretch. Now, he is facing off against the number six seed, Billy Donovan. Now, any game of blame must include the coach, Andrew. And so I include him here. Has he lost the team, Andrew? The players are in open revolt. Mutiny, people are saying. Who is more to blame, Andrew, Russell Westbrook or Billy Donovan? Are people really saying that? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> but I, I had to include Billy, but I didn't really know what to say about him. Like, I guess you yeah. can complain about some rotations here and there. I think he's an easy target for sure. So I felt like I had to include him, but I don't feel particularly strongly about it. Yeah, he's the easiest target. Um, yeah. I mean, you got to choose one. I would go Russell during this stretch. I feel like he's last night. He was, I thought last night he was like legitimately good. Uh, before that, outside of the jazz game, I thought he's, he's been super terrible. So his decision-making has been awful. And some of it is that like guys aren't making shots. Like that's why he's not getting as many assists. Like, especially last night, I could, I feel like he probably had double digit potential assists. Um, which is normal for him. He actually probably averaged the most potential assists. I'll look that up here in a second. But yeah, I feel like he's been, his defense too has been really, really bad. And it's made Steven look worse than Steven's actually been uh, on the defensive end because when guys can just get straight line drives to the bucket, and you saw it, especially against the Spurs. I mean, my goodness. They could have whatever they wanted. Right. Straight to the basket. You can't let that happen. I'm sorry. You just can't let that happen. And so... Uh, I think that Russell's been a, a huge problem within that and a huge problem with the offense. But I thought last night, excuse me, last night he got back on track, I thought. Uh, okay, Russell. we move on to the 4-5 matchup. The four seed, Dennis Schroeder's shooting. So in the past eight games, Dennis is shooting 31.4% from the field <laughs> and 23.7% from three on five and a half attempts per game. Yeah, that seems right. Listen to these shooting lines coming in the last night. Three for 16, five for 12, five for 17, four for 15, six for 15, six for 22. He's going up against the five seed Terrence Ferguson's shooting. Now from January 8th until February 11th, Ferguson kind of blew up. He scored double digits in 11 of 16 games, including four games with 15 or more points. In the current swoon, Ferguson has hit double digits only in two of these eight games. He's now shooting 27.8% from three during this stretch. Who is more to blame, Andrew? Uh, I think it's Dennis. I feel like, I mean, I think that, Berg, when he's not shooting well, I still feel like he's contributing because he can still defend. Uh, I feel like Schroeder has been nothing but a negative during this stretch. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to – I mean, I think that's an easy one. Okay, okay. Ooh, sounds like we might have a uh, a strong candidate He's pretty, going forward. He's a pretty strong <laughs> candidate for me. 
Okay, we have our, our last matchup, the two versus seven seed. Now, the number two seed is the schedule. A little abstract, but the much ballyhooed, toughest remaining strength of schedule in the league has arrived. Can the Thunder's recent play simply be blamed on this, Andrew? I mean, for goodness sakes, they've played four <laughs> current playoff teams during this eight-game stretch. That's half the games, Andrew. <laughs> Against the seven seed. <laughs> Uh, seventh seed is trying to work Markeith Morris into the system. Oh, okay. Has Keith screwed this all up? We were doing fine before he had to go and choose us, Andrew. <laughs> so who is more to blame? The schedule or trying to work Markeith in? It's the schedule. There's no there's no mm. question on that. Interesting. Interesting. And not that Markeith hasn't had problems because, I mean, I think they have a chance to win that game if maybe somebody else is in the game. To guard Mike Scott so that he's not wide open there at the end of the game, but obviously they had more problems than just that. But yeah, I think it's been an adjustment for the team. But overall, I think he's going to help. So it's hard for me to blame a guy <laughs> just coming in. <laughs> I think that the schedule is obviously just uh, it's been it's been crazy, and we knew it, they knew it was going to be there. But yeah, it's it's I think it is probably a bigger reason. Of course, you would choose the thing that isn't a player, <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Okay. Round two. Who do you choose between the Paul George injury and Russell Westbrook's recent play? Ooh, yeah. I think it's Russell. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Russell, I'm putting a bunch of O's next to that. Put, ooh, okay. (laughs) So that means Russell Westbrook makes the final in the blame game. Yeah. Andrew, you're a hater. You're a hater. I'm kind of a hater right now. You know, Uh, you're a hater, but Thunder Twitter is like loving this right now. (laughs) Finally, finally, man! I honestly, if if you, I don't know if anybody noticed. I was just not even on Twitter last night because it is so vicious. I'm just, (laughs) just like I'm just not even going to participate. I just can't even. I'm just I'm tapping out. I can't. I cannot be a part of this because you're a coward. You're a coward. If I tweet one thing, it's it's just vicious. I just I just tweeted about. You you put out the tweet about this game, and I just said about time, and just like joking around, and like people are like coming at me. I'm like, oh goodness! <laughs> like what am I doing? Okay. Andrew, they they want you to face the music. They do. Sick I, of your positive attitude, <laughs> and I'm sick of it too. All right, next matchup. Who do you blame more, Dennis Schroeder's recent play, or the schedule? Oh boy, that's a that's a good one. That's a really good one. Oh, I think the schedule is much more important than Dennis Schroeder will ever be. So hmm. I'll put I'll put hmm. the schedule there. He's been super bad, though. I honestly think that you um, you put Steven way too low as an eight seed. Yeah, yeah. I I considered that, and may, yeah, maybe I did put him too low. So you would have like, would you have taken him over Dennis Schroeder? I think that that is, to me, that's the question with guys beyond Russell. Is who, like, everybody likes to blame Steven because it just looks worse and the centers are scoring and it looks bad. But I I would argue that that Schroeder's been worse. Wow. So you're really going to go with the schedule over Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> it's been a tough schedule. Has it? Has it? Yeah. Let me tell you who they've played. Pelicans, they don't even exist. Do you remember that? Do you remember that team? 
They play Utah. They they won. Okay, Utah's good. Yeah. They play Sacramento. They're not in the playoffs, Andrew. They're trash. You trash know. garbage. Okay, all right. That's where we're going now. Okay. <laughs> they, they play Denver and Philly. Yeah. Solid. Good, good teams. San Antonio, whatever. Memphis, garbage. They, they won. Kind of. Minis- oh, yeah, they did win. Minnesota should be garbage. Okay. You know what? I think you've actually convinced me. Yes! I'm getting you to blame humans. I'm gonna go with, I, I will go with Dennis. There were some winnable <laughs> games in there that if they would have just shown, if they would have just played well, they would have won. Like you can beat, okay. you can beat San Antonio. That team's not that good. So now in the final, we got a battle of the guards. Russell Westbrook's recent play versus Dennis Schroeder's recent play. Yeah, there's no question that it was that. It should, the blame should be firmly placed on Russell Westbrook's shoulders. Wow. Are you hearing this, Thunder Twitter? <laughs> Are you hearing this right now? This guy. This he's, guy. He's he's so volatile. He's like he has the potential to win them a playoff series. I'm not talking about a game, I'm talking about an entire series, but he also has the ability to just tank it all with his shot selection, with his poor decision making. Um I feel like he's had a good season overall. But like, we're such creatures of the moment that everybody just acts like this is how he's been all season on Twitter, which is just, that's where I'm just like, okay, we've reached the point where we're completely unreasonable, and that's why I have to move away. <laughs> I just typically <laughs> will move away from things that are completely unreasonable. Uh, and he's been bad. Like, there's no question about it. I thought he was good last night, uh, but against Memphis, he was he was horrendous. If he would have just been like average Russell, they would have beat that team by 10. And mm. everybody's like, yeah, the, he hit those shots at the end. Yeah, great. He did that. But they were in that position because of him. <laughs> so like he, it would be like him going and putting a huge hole in a cruise ship, but then rushing over to rescue everybody. It's like, okay, like what's, what's the, what's the deal here? Like you, you did this to us, and I'm glad you're saving the day now. But like, why'd you have to put a hole in the cruise ship? Ooh, I feel like that's a that's a good uh, plot for like a superhero, <laughs> like a, a superhero who actually causes the damage just to build up his own reputation. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Uh, okay, so what you're saying? <laughs> Are there Andrew, two different costumes for that? Or same yeah, co- same actually, costume? I think this might actually be a thing. Oh, okay, it sounds like uh, it should have already been a thing. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying, Andrew, is the leader of our team, the guy who committed to Oklahoma City, who, by the way, Andrew, shot five of ten from three last night. You're just going to throw him under the bus. I'm, I'm surprised you're not talking about the Harden trade right now. Do you have anything you want to say to Sam Presti, Andrew? Yeah, that was a terrible trade, Sam. It's a terrible <laughs> trade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly... It's it's been a tough stretch, and I think there's blame to go around. I think Billy is a, definitely a part of it because we're and I mentioned this earlier. The defense, like we've seen this, twi- we've seen this two years in a row where the defense has just fallen off. And I don't I, the defense. It's a tough defense to play within, so I'm not. It's hard to sit here and criticize from my couch, um, but you just have to wonder how sustainable that level of defense is throughout an 82 game schedule. And then if you can, can you turn that on and off? Like I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's possible. Will the Thunder be able to do that? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but 
Um, I, I do think that it's a tough defense to sustain. Uh, and I don't, I'm hopeful still, which this is the optimistic part of me that maybe we can get a few games out of Andre at the end of the season and he can come back and play for this team because I do think another part of this, and I mentioned this before, is that they thought they'd have Dre and Alex Sabrinas at this point. Uh, they didn't think that they would be playing Nader big minutes. They didn't think they'd have to play Raymond Felton. Uh, and so, like, the depth issues they have at the wing and guard positions are a problem. Did you see that report that uh, Abrinas is about to have, like, a interview or something? I did, and yeah. He's going to explain what was going on? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I just... Yeah. Curious, curious. It'll be good. Uh, I just saw a tweet from Jay Skeets. So Carl Anthony Towns has scored 182 points over his last five games. That's the best five-game stretch in Wolves history. Wow. So he's on fire right now. Yeah, Um, that's, uh, that's crazy. Okay, are you ready to move on to our next segment? I'm so ready. Okay, so in light of the current Lakers season and partly the current Celtics season, Uh, I thought it'd be fun to look back over the past decade when the Thunder have existed and try to come up with a list of the top 10 most disappointing teams during that stretch. Um, The Lakers, obviously, I, I, I really just wanted to put, well, okay, two things. I wanted to put the Lakers season in perspective to figure out, like, how disappointing is this season? Because it feels pretty awful right now. It does. And then I also wanted to put in perspective the, uh, thunder season from last year because that felt disappointing to me i wanted to see how it stacked up so i'm going to run through my list 10 through 1 give you a little uh backstory on each team and then andrew feel free to jump in uh with any teams you might suggest or or if you would have them higher or lower the first team i would say as an honorable mention would be this year's celtics when i originally started this i thought i was going to include them but i when i the more i thought about it i was like i can't really because i don't know how this season's going to end up yeah if they really do lose in the first round, as a lot of people are now suspecting they might, I think it would be they would definitely be on this list and they'd probably be pretty high, especially if Kyrie leaves. I mean, you think about where this team was oh. at the end of last summer, like just had everything going for them. They had all the assets. They could make any trade they wanted to. They had this these this amazing young core, but they also had a really good veteran core. They had Gordon Hayward coming back. And, it, and it's all falling apart. So it, it, it would definitely rank, but who knows? They could still turn around. As we saw last night, they beat, they went and destroyed the Warriors. So, Yeah, that's yeah, that team. I mean, I think I would have picked them over everybody preseason of where, if I could pick any franchise to follow or if I could like move that franchise to Oklahoma City, it would be that one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, because yeah, I was they had so all, jealous. The, all the picks and it seemed like they're going to get AD and they still might. Uh, but like Jason Tatum seemed like he was heading for stardom and like all these things. And it's like you've had to hit the brakes on nearly every single take that you had. Well, yeah. Like add into that the Kings pick. Like right. we thought that was going to be such a huge deal at the beginning of the season. Right. I mean, I, I think I picked the Kings to be the absolute worst team in the West. Mm-hmm. And now that pick might be like. 13 yeah just like and apparently in a bad draft it's like well whatever it's right i mean we were we legitimately thought that was like guaranteed top five pick yeah 
<laughs> if they got like if they got Zion, wait, the number one pick actually goes to the Sixers. Sixers, yeah, it was so top one protected. That. But still, like if you get one of those top three, top five guys, and you put them on that team, or just to be able to trade it, right? Like that could have been a huge piece of like an Anthony Davis trade or something, right? And now okay. you kind of and now you kind of look back with that team and you're like, they had the opportunity to have Paul George, you know, right? You trade Jalen Brown and something else, and you probably get him. And like Jalen Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, cap filler, you probably get him. And you know you have to wonder like, how much happier would Kyrie Irving be if they had Paul George on their team? Yeah, uh, probably a lot happier. They'd probably be a lot better. And you can still have Gordon Hayward. Like it doesn't keep you from getting Gordon Hayward. It's just yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so. Number 10, a deep cut, the 2015-16 Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, okay. okay. To Listen to this. this. <laughs> the year prior, or two years prior, the Bucks had won 15 games. Okay, they were terrible. They entered the lottery. They got Jabari Parker. That next season, they won 41 games. So they jumped from 15 games to 41 games under Jason Kidd. They finished as the sixth seed in the East. Everyone was excited coming into the 15-16 season. Jabari Parker was coming back from missing most of his rookie season with an ACL tear. They got a huge free agent signing in Greg Monroe, which was actually a big deal at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and then that season, they would only end up winning 33 games. They missed the playoffs. It was, I wouldn't say it was the, it was probably like the beginning of the end for Jason Kidd. <laughs> you like started to see some of the major faults with him as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I have them on the list, but they're a deep cut. I admit that is, that is a super deep cut. Okay. Number nine, last year's Thunder team. Okay. This is where I end up ranking them. So I've, I've, we all know this story, but they were coming off the very fun but also unsustainable Westbrook MVP season, and they just swung consecutive insane trades that had brought in Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. They had a big three. They were only two years away or two years out from losing Kevin Durant for nothing, but we all know what happened next. The Thunder had one of the more frustrating seasons to experience as a fan a season that prompted the great down-to-dunk fun debate in February of that year. The problem is, despite all of that, they still finished third in the West. Fourth. They still had... Oh, they they finished fourth in the West. They still had 48 wins. Yeah. And then they lost to the Jazz in six in the first round. But it that team's weird because I think there's an outside shot that like this team this year might not win that much more games. They might win like 48 or 49 games. That wouldn't shock me mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, last year, 48 wins felt so, it, it, I guess it was just the way in which it happened. Yeah. And it's it also so disappointing. Right. Well, it's also within the, the background of winning 47 the year before. They're like, Oh, we, True. Had, we had yeah. Paul George. We had Mello. You know, you take out Canner. I mean, it's you add Raymond How Felton. You, you don't have Samaj. Like you upgrade from Samaj to Raymond Felton. How how do you not win fifty five games? Uh, and then they didn't. <laughs> and they were. It was a frustrating season. This season has been. I would say this season has has been fun in spots. It's been like a roller coaster of a season. Last season was just like. I mean, it was just misery. It was misery. Even when they're winning games at times, it was just misery. It was, yeah, because we had nothing like Paul George's season or like even like Terrence Ferguson having a really good stretch. There w- there wasn't a lot to hang your hat on outside of, it was probably Dre. Like Dre was the thing we were most excited about. Yeah, and then he got, <laughs> and then he had like one of the worst injuries you can have. Still right. isn't back. 
Yeah. Okay, number eight, another deep cut, Andrew. 2011-2012 Portland Trailblazers. Do you remember this team? <laughs> Sorry, I don't. <laughs> so come, I, you will remember, though. Coming into the season, this, this 2011-12 season, the Blazers had been to the playoffs three straight times, winning 54, 50, and 48 games. They brought back their entire core, which was going to include a healthy Greg Oden, they had Brandon Roy, oh, okay. Marcus Aldridge, Marcus Camby, Gerald Wallace, Wes Matthews, Nick Batum. Like they were legitimately loaded. Yeah. And in the offseason, they brought in Jamal Crawford and Ray Felton yeah. to bolster their bench and their starting point guard spot. This was the Ray Felton season. Yeah. Which now now looking at that uh, roster, I'm like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> like that was such a good roster. So this was the lockout short yeah, season. I was say, this is the lockout season. This is where Raymond Felton got super fat. Yes, their over under preseason was 37 and a half, which is equivalent to about 47 win team. They would only win 28 games that year. They'd miss the playoffs. And then in the offseason, Brandon Roy, Greg Oden and Joel Prisbilla would all retire. Oh, my goodness. Nate McMillan was fired. Marcus Camby, Gerald Wallace and Ray Felton were all traded. Now, on the bright side, that was the summer that they drafted Dame. And I was going to say changed. that Gerald Wallace trade was pivotal for them. Right. It was so pivotal. It was massive for their – I mean, who knows where they would be right now if they never made – if it wasn't for Billy King. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. <laughs> They'd be screwed. Yeah. Speaking of Billy King, the number seven most disappointing team of the last decade, the 2013-14 Brooklyn Nets. Oh, yeah. This is one of my teams that when you brought up this idea, I was like, oh, this team's got to be on the list. I'm surprised they're not a little bit higher. But yeah, I was I was a little surprised too, but you'll see where I what I did for the top. Uh, so the summer before, the Nets had traded for Joe Johnson, and they had so they had D. Will, they had Joe Johnson, they had won forty nine games, which is actually kind of impressive <laughs> looking yeah. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that off season, they made the infamous trade with Boston. They brought in KG, they brought in Paul Pierce, they had a key free agent signing with Andre Kirilenko. Everyone was like, oh, there must be some under the table deal going on here. <laughs> They also brought in a rookie head coach and Jason Kidd, yeah. who had played for the Knicks the previous year. Right. The preseason over-under was 40, uh, 52 and a half wins. Pretty impressive. They also had guys on their roster like Brooke Lopez, Sean Livingston, Mirza Toledovic. It was a legitimately deep roster. Yeah. I took and the, the season, over on that, by the way. I took, did you? I took like the way over, I remember. Yeah. So the season went off the rails pretty quick. Within the first 20 games, Jason Kidd, remember this story, he demoted his top assistant, Lawrence Franks, to write daily reports. <laughs> so he didn't even let him on the court anymore. Because <laughs> apparently there was like some power struggle where like people thought that the players were listening to Lawrence Frank more. Jason Kidd had lost the team. They ended up having a ton of injuries. Like Kirilenko didn't play that much. Everyone hated D-Will. And they only yeah. won 44 games. On the other hand, they would actually go on to win a playoff series, which they have not done since. So wow. it was disappointing. But in retrospect, it was like, oh, they actually won a playoff series. Wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I guess you could just say in the East, they won a playoff series. Right, right, right. I don't remember who they beat. Was it the Raptors? It was the Raptors in seven games. Yeah. Yeah, the Raptors, um, before they before they were like good, they beat the Raptors. Right. And Darren Williams, like, what a career. I mean, everybody, I mean, that dude was awesome. I remember whenever he went to Brooklyn, and it was the same time that Mello went to New York. Uh, 
that it was like, oh, like Darren's like, that's a better player. That's a guy I would rather have long term. And he's out of the league before Melo. I mean, that would, if you would have predicted that, I, I don't I don't know who would, who would have predicted that. It's very, well, very weird. Yeah, that is, that is crazy when you put it like that. Um, okay, the next one, a favorite of mine, the number six most disappointing team of the last decade, the 2015-16 Houston Rockets. Oh, yeah. So in the prior playoffs, the Rockets came into that playoffs winning 56 games in the regular season. They, that was the one where they overcame the 3-1 series deficit to the Clippers, the yep. famous game six. They Josh made their Smith, Corey Brewer game. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. They made their first Western Conference Finals appearance in 18 years. They basically brought back the exact same team. They had James Harden, Patrick Beverly, Ariza, Dwight Howard, Clint Capella. They added their, do you remember their their key free agent signing? Or it was actually a trade. Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson. The preseason over-under was 54 and a half. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> then the season started. They started four and seven. Kevin McHale was fired. J.B. Bickerstaff took over. The yeah. Rockets would go on to be 500, 41 and 41, and they lost in five to the Warriors in the first round. Yeah. Massively disappointing. So glorious. <laughs> okay, so now we enter the top five. Now, and as I'm th- as I was thinking about this, Andrew, and you could tell me what you think. When I was thinking about what's more disappointing, at first I was valuing like regular season disappointment war more, yeah. just because it was it's stretched out over such a longer time and it's so much more brutal. Mm-hmm. But as you'll see in the top five, I started to value playoff disappointment a little bit more heavily. Mm-hmm. So number five team. The 2009-2010 Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. Now, the year prior, the Cavs had won 66 games, but had lost. They were the one seed, but they had lost to the Magic and Dwight Howard in the Eastern Conference Finals. That sounds so weird to to hear. I know. That had the crazy (laughs) game, too, where uh, LeBron hit that, like, nasty three to win it oh i remember that yeah like disgusting shot so in the offseason the Cavs knew they had to do something so they bring in antoine jameson and Shaq, who happened to be 33 and 37 years old respectively yeah. despite that they would go on to win 61 games in the regular season and they were once again the top seed in the eastern conference then came the infamous second round series against the celtics after going up two to one the Celtics would win three in a row, including a 32-point blowout in Game 5, a game in which LeBron played 41 minutes and shot 3 of 14 from the field. He only had 15 points in that game. Of course, this ignited articles. It ignited conspiracy theories about what was going on with LeBron. In Game 6, LeBron put up 27, 19, and 10, but it wasn't enough. And a few weeks later, you know, you remember the shot of him walking out. He was taking off his Cavs jersey. And then a few weeks later, he would tell Jim Gray that he was taking his talents to South Beach. So that ended up being a pretty significantly disappointing year, especially when you factor in LeBron leaving the Cavs. Yeah, that was. It was a weird that was a weird season cuz there a lot of people thought that he still might stay with Cleveland because yeah. they had really tried to put contenders around him and then when he left, I mean they had was it they had two number 1 picks in a row. I mean it's just uh crazy. Was it Yeah, it was too. Uh okay. Number four is where I put this year's Lakers. Okay. <laughs> this is where I think it fits in. Okay. They're, they're over under before the season was 48 games. And I didn't, put, I didn't put them any higher just because there definitely were smart people looking at this roster before the season and going, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't make any sense. 
they only have 30 wins right now, so they're they're going to fall way below that 48 wins. Who know how bad? But just the idea of LeBron James missing the playoffs, especially for a Lakers team that now hasn't made the playoffs, and I think it'll be six seasons. The idea that they brought in arguably the best player in the game mm-hmm. and still couldn't make the playoffs. Mass, not just disappointing, but very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. And you start to question everything within the organization. Like, yeah. Do the, does the front office even know what they're doing? And now you're seeing these articles come out that LeBron James was at the at the core of like the Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee signings and stuff. They're like trying to pass on. They're playing the blame game themselves. They're trying to pass it on to somebody else. Uh, when like Magic and Rob Palinka, like they didn't have to sign those guys. There were other guys available that you could have thrown $10 million at. Um, or just kept Brooke Lopez. That's what I'm saying. Like pay Brooke Lopez $10 million this season. He would have stayed. Yeah. He would have stayed, and he would have been perfect, perfect for that team. I mean, there's just a lot of things they could have done differently, and instead they, and and maybe that was their plan, but they're like, we got to put guys around LeBron James that can handle the ball. What? No, no one's ever said that. And the guy's been to the finals eight years in a row. <laughs> why are you? Yeah. Why are you? What are you doing? You're messing up a good thing. And then they have to trade for Reggie Bullock here at the end of the season. Uh, who turns out isn't that great and things are just I mean it's just it is as bad as it can be for this Lakers squad and I haven't dived into like any any Lakers like Reddit or anything like that but it seems like it might be a good time to do that yeah I think this fallout's going to be really interesting just to see who gets blamed I fully suspect LeBron to have a injury in the next week or so oh, yeah Oh, yeah. I, I really think he'll get shut down, um, and they can they can even pass it off as like, well, we might as well get a better pick now at this point. And they should, they yeah. Should. Why not? Because maybe maybe getting a good enough pick would help them get Anthony Davis. You know, they're only they're only oh wow, they're only two and a half games ahead of the Mavs. Yeah, I mean, they can, I think the Mavs are as a really bad team, but yeah, they can. I mean, they can get like the eighth pick or something like that. I mean, that's not out of the question. Okay. Top three. Number three seed or number three most disappointing team, the 2012-13 Lakers. Oh, yeah. This is a great one. So in the offseason, Lakers had made two massive moves. They brought in prime Dwight Howard. He was only 27 years old in a trade with Orlando. And they brought in 38-year-old Steve Nash, who, yes, was very old, but he was also coming off an all-star appearance. How many picks did he trade three picks for him? They did. Listen, I'm going to see how many of these you can get. So as an aside, Andrew, the Magic received six players back in the Dwight Howard trade. Yeah. Can you name more than two? Vucevic was one. Yes. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm trying to. There's some random wing. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) You're getting closer. (laughs) I know. I can't remember who it was. So, Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's who it was. That was the only other one I thought you might get. But yeah. Then you had Aaron Aflalo. Okay. Uh, Josh McRoberts, Christian Ayenga, and Al Harrington. Oh, Christian Ayenga. Yeah. Now, the preseason over-under for Al this team. Al Harrington. The preseason over-under was 59 and a half games. Whoa. 
59 and a half. That's the thing that, as I went back through it, I was, that was like one of the most shocking things. There was like, a lot wow. of money on the Lakers that season. Yeah, we were really into them. And, of course, there's the famous uh, Sports Illustrated cover. Now, this is going to be fun. <laughs> oh, it's so great. It, just, it gets better and better. Uh, part of it that I forgot was that in the preseason, Lakers coach Mike Brown tried to install a Princeton offense. <laughs> and, and the immediate results, the Lakers went 0-8 in the preseason, and they started the season 1-4, and and then they fired Mike Brown and brought in Mike D'Antoni. So, like, they spent this whole offseason installing this really quirky offense. And then within five games, they were like, okay, let's do something else. <laughs> five games. Now, in their defense, they did scratch and claw, unlike this current Lakers team, to the eighth seed. Yeah. They fought through multiple injuries, multiple reports of internal strife. There was the famous picture of uh, Dwight Howard and Kobe. Oh, yeah. Fake, fake fighting each other you know oh, yeah. to show That's everyone glorious. that everything's cool yeah uh but they would actually qualify for the playoffs on the final day of the regular season now kobe tore his achilles in game 80 and he would miss the playoffs where the lakers were swept in four games by the spurs this was the last time the lakers made the playoffs wow which is still true and will continue to be true at least until may of 2020 <laughs> that is so crazy and it was also like the beginning of everybody like Man, Dwight Howard's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. Like, this is like, maybe you don't want to play with him, but the Lakers still really, really wanted him. Really, really wanted him. They put billboards up. They were begging him to come back. And it turned out to be, obvi- I mean, obviously, that nothing good has happened to the Lakers until they got LeBron, but it turned out to be not the worst thing in the world that he didn't decide to re sign with them. True. Yeah. Um, okay, my top two. The number two most disappointing team of the past decade, the 2010-2011 Miami Heat. Oh, okay. I see, I see where you're going here. Now, it's weird to think about this Heat team now because we live in the age of the Warriors. But at the time, we felt similar about the Heat. They're ruining basketball. The season's over. Then they start off 9-8. and eight. Then there was the LeBron Spolstra bump. Remember that? Yeah, I do. But then they started winning. And they actually finished the season with 58 wins, and they won each of their first three playoff rounds in five games. So they had become this super dominant team. Everyone was expecting them to win. They got up 2-1 in the finals, and that the one loss was the game where they were actually up by 15, and then the Mavs came back in game two. But then they completely fell apart. They lost their last three games to the Dallas Mavericks. I think considering everything that went into that, of course, this is coming off of that. So LeBron had two of the top 10 disappointing teams, like back-to-back seasons. Because this was coming <laughs> off that 09-10 Cavs season. He goes to South Beach. He has They had the big entrance, not one, not two, not three. Yeah. That whole thing. <laughs> not one, not two, not three. <laughs> uh, but I think this is worthy of, of this high of ranking. Yeah. Now, they would go on, you know, they won the next two, I think. So in retrospect, you don't really think of that team as as disappointing. But at the time, considering everything that went into that season, I think it's worth considering them one of the most disappointing teams. Yeah, I, I'm trying to even think of like who who would have even picked the Mavs over that Heat team. Especially because, like, yeah, they started off poorly, but that team was good. And, like, by the end of the season, they were firing on all cinder- cylinders. And it seemed like they were, they did steamroll through the playoffs. Like, they 
yeah. had only played 15 games by the time they got to the finals. I can actually tell you people did pick the Mavs. Really? Yeah. J.A. Donde picked the Mavs. Um, I feel like Haralabob picked the Mavs or something. A bunch of guys I don't know. Tim McMahon picked pick the Mavs. Mark Stein, really? Chris Sheridan picked the Mavs. Huh. Yeah. Well, that was back when Chris Sheridan uh, He's at ESPN <laughs> worked at a still. normal place. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like Henry Abbott, Kevin Arnovitz, Haverstrow, Zach Harper, Tim Legler, uh, Jalen Rose, Brian Windhorst, Will Bond, David Thorpe, they all picked. Dr. Jack Ramsey picked. Dr. Jack. <laughs> huh, that makes me – well, maybe I have them ranked a little too high then. Um, yeah, because I was, I was prepared to open this page up and see, you know, 90% heat. But there's – there's a there's a a handful which I which is way more than I thought I'd see. Huh. Interesting. Well, maybe maybe in retrospect and in, in version 2, I will bump them down a little bit. Uh okay, it's time for the number 1 most disappointing team of the last decade, Andrew. Do you have any idea who it is? Do you have a good idea? <laughs> I'm trying to think. No, go ahead. The 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors. Oh, okay. Yeah. 73 and 9, up 3 games to 1. They're one measly game away from immortality, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. One game and that team would have had a legitimate claim to the greatest team of all time title. And they completely blew it. So much so that they had to bring in Kevin Durant. Those losers. <laughs> it feels Those weird losers. saying <laughs> It feels weird saying that a team who won 73 games is the most disappointing team of all time or at least of the last decade, but considering the stakes, I think that their finals loss is the ultimate disappointment. Yeah. Because it kind of negated everything else. Like now 73 is nine, 73 and nine is almost a joke. Yeah. Like it is, it is a joke. It will always come with the asterisk. Yeah, but they didn't win the title. Like who cares? And, and the reason, and a lot of people use that as the reason they didn't win the title, which I think is stupid, but it was Draymond Green acting like a crazy person. Like that's exactly. The reason. Oh my gosh, and that's what makes it even crazier. Like so many, only like a few things had to go right for them to win that. Right, and even going back to Game Seven, when Draymond was out of his mind, like Draymond was so good in Game Seven, mm-hmm. and they still had a shot. You know, there's like five <laughs> minutes left, and no one could score. They had a legit chance, and and they still blew it. I, yeah, that's that series was insane was insane and you know what there were i was prepared to see it's it is mostly warriors but there are uh seven guys really that, that picked the Cavs that season ian begley picked the Cavs. bradford doolittle cassidy hubbard what? dave mcminniman picked the Cavs. michael wallace picked the Cavs. michael wright picked the Cavs, and our very own royce young picked the cavaliers to beat wow. the Golden state warriors jeez isn't that crazy? Um, but like that, David Thorpe, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, uh, Mark Stein, Mark Spears, Ramona Shelburne, Kevin Pelton, Tim McMahon, Zach Lowe, Baxter Holmes, Tom Hapshire, like every like that was like the common belief is that yeah, they're gonna steamroll this Cavs team. Well, especially because uh, it, it wasn't like this was their first title. Like they won the previous season. Mm-hmm. They come back and win seventy three games. Like at that point, like what else do you need to see? Like right. I'm surprised that that many people picked the Cavs. I know it is it's a it is a fraction of the guys that 
that did, you know compared to who picked the Warriors, but still, like for people to have that belief is is pretty crazy. Yeah, and and <laughs> and it's different than the Heat because the Warriors really were on like the precipice of being this amazing historical team that would like go down in history, and they have gone down in history for other reasons. Yeah, but that team was so close to like I said immortality. Like yeah. they would have been held up there with with the Bulls. And yeah. now that season is just weird. Like now that season is just seen as like, oh, that's what caused everything that happened afterwards. Yeah. Like it's th- that season has become huge in NBA history, mm-hmm. but it has less to do about that individual Warriors team. Yeah. And which, that, was, which was great. And that finals set them on track to get Kevin Durant. But I think that it also set them on track to not be compared to like the bulls and stuff like that the bulls are i think they're going to be held in higher esteem than what this team is today because of the way they're constructed and like it just seemed unfair like it the bulls never seemed unfair they just they just went out and beat teams and this team is like okay like come on now you have oh you have demarcus cousins now okay great like this is right like the advantages are are more are are just outrageous and so it's just I think that just people are going to look back on these teams as much as people don't want them to. There's like a handful of like warriors lovers that are just like, you know, you, you, you're going to look back and you're going to see the rings and no one's going to remember any of this stuff. I'm like, I, you know what? We're going to remember. Most people are going to remember. Like it's very well documented, very well documented. People are going to remember. And there was no weirdness in the way that the bulls were constructed or the way that things happened with them. I just think that people are going to look back at this. And when Kevin leaves, they're going to be like, well, why would Kevin leave that? I mean, it's just everything about it is kind of weird. And if this team had just won that finals, they could have gone on to win another, you know, yeah. even without Kevin Durant. And then I think that that team is remembered differently. Uh, yeah, because like when I think about the Warriors, the team I remember is that 14-15 Warriors team. Yeah. Um, when that was the Steph Curry season where he really blew up. Right. Um, when everything got crazy, when he was hitting like some, I think, it was, you know, some absurd percentage from three on a super high. That was the first season where that really happened. Yeah. So I'll remember that season because I really liked that team, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I'll remember this 73 and nine season because that was the season when they had I forget how many games they won in a row. But that was like legitimate appointment television. Like I was watching every Warriors game earlier in that early in that season. I remember like the Bucks game. Obviously, I remember the Celtics game. Yep. Um, and these are like random December games in a regular season, but I remember them and I'm not going to remember these last two. It was incredible. Or no. last three seasons. Like right now they're not, a, they're not a team that you just have to be at the TV to watch. They're not an electric team. They're a team that like has clearly so much more talent than everybody else that it's really just not even fun. And then when they lose, it's like, Oh, you, you can't even say that like the other team just fought harder or played hard. You could just say like the Warriors didn't care tonight. Like that's like either the Warriors care or they don't, and that's how they win or lose games. I was like, that's not fun. Like this, it's not fun basketball. Like no one wants to tune in for that. And that's why I think this this current iteration of the Warriors is different. And that's why I think Kevin Durant wants to leave. It's because like no, it's not satisfying. It's like when you play NBA Two K on on the easiest level, and then you like you up everybody's. Uh, ratings on your team and then you go and you play and like oh it's like only fun for like five minutes like oh this isn't fun anymore i think it's yeah. similar to that i was thinking about that with uh that Dwayne wade shot from a few nights ago yeah 
um, against the Warriors and just like seeing how how ingrained Dwayne Wade is in a entire city's history now. Yeah. Th- which is the same way it's going to be with Westbrook. Um, but like Kevin Durant's never going to have that. No. Like the, the, that response that Dwayne Wade got from the crowd, the response that Dwayne Wade's gotten all season, like he's never going to have that. And I, and I think that is more important than any ring individually because he's just going to be a hero in that city. He's helping to define that city for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. That's so much cooler to me. Like that's what Dirk's doing. And obviously the rings take it to another level. You know, if if Westbrook never wins a ring, it'll be disappointing, but he's still going to have like the adoration of everyone. He's still going to have a statue and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to have that ring like Wade and, and Dirk have, but that that extra piece they have KD's never going to get that. He could get it this summer, though. He could go recapture that. If he goes to New York, like New York hasn't had anybody to root for in forever. Yeah, but I mean, he could, he it's could, true. He could establish that. Like, if he goes there, and maybe he doesn't want to ring there, like you said, but if he reestablishes a good NBA team in New York with Kyrie Irving that he brought over there because they're both just unhappy dudes. Uh, and that team becomes one of the best teams in the like the East battles become incredible, and the Garden every single night. If you have those two, I, I just think that he could he has the chance to turn it around, and that's why I think that leaving is so enticing to him. I, I think he can get it short term, but I think he can't achieve that. Like it, it would take him probably like five seasons in New York. Oh, he'd really, have to, like, he'd have to commit for the rest of his prime yeah like you said he's i mean he'd have to and i don't know if he's willing to do that but he he killed that opportunity when he left okc because if let's i mean if he if kevin durant's hitting shots like that here i mean he get he gets everything that he's ever wanted and he didn't even know it i mean it's right. just it's just it is it is crazy and i think that he will look back at his career and like he could have won titles here like he could have done it but he's he went the easy. He took the easy way out, and he's. I think he's realizing and finding out that that was not, maybe not the best thing for him, and maybe not the thing that would satisfy him the most. Um, which is it's just interesting. It's just an interesting storyline within the entire NBA picture. Well, congrats to us for uh, bringing this depressing OKC pod back around by uh, <laughs> making fun of the Warriors. <laughs> I have one uh, more question for you. This is a long pod, but I have one more question. I put this on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Uh, if the Thunder were to enter a three-on-three tournament, and you had to, you could only pick three. There's no subs. Who who would your three players be? Um. So Russ and PG. Yeah. Uh. I guess I feel like you have to go with Adams. Okay. Um. I'm. I. I want to go with Jeremy Grant because in my head I'm like, oh, he's a little bit more athletic. Like it'd be nice to have just like a ton of guys, who, like three guys who can all shoot threes. He has a little bit of a post game, not much. But then I think about some of these other teams are going to have big guys. Yeah. And Jeremy's not going to be able to hold up against them. So I feel like you have to go with Stephen Adams for that reason alone. Okay. Like, what are you going to do when you play? Denver's three on three and they're going to have Jokic or yeah. Minnesota. Not, of course I'm giving the two examples of the guys who have destroyed <laughs> Steven Adams <laughs> in the last week. I would argue you that against those teams, like who, like who takes on Paul? 
uh, Wiggins. I think that Paul would kill those two. Uh, like Tori Craig. <laughs> also, a, a valid point brought up by um, I can't who somebody brought it up to me yesterday. Um, is it is it half court make it take it or is it full court? If it's half court make it take it, I think you have to take Stephen Adams. Yeah. Anyways, I would agree. Very fictitious hey. and stupid, stupid question. But I think that the 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 basis of the question is. Who is the third best player in the Thunder? Right. I think um, it's closer than I thought it would be at this point. Oh, it was Jeff Cartmel that asked that. But, yeah. Hey, can I give my uh, pick of the week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give us your pick, and then we'll go. Um, I'm 4-0, Andrew. <laughs> you are. Uh, I'm on fire. I'm on fire. I only make one pick a week. <laughs> I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm. Ta- oh, and by the way, I'm on fire. Guess who I'm taking? The Phoenix Suns tonight. Whoa. Who do they play? They are uh, three and a half point favorites at home against the Knicks. Oh, that's very interesting. Now, the Suns have won a grand total of 14 games this season, but they are three and one in their last four with wins against Miami, home against the Lakers and home against the Bucks. Wow. This is their first game since the Kevin Arnovitz hit job dropped. (laughs) And they will surely be using it for motivation when Robert Sarver reminds them about it in the locker room at halftime. Yeah. So I'm going with the Phoenix Suns, three and a half point favorites against the Knicks. Oh, I like that. I like that. Did you read the Kevin Artifits piece yet? I haven't yet. I haven't had time yet. I need to do that. (sighs) Andrew, have you heard about the goat story? I've heard the goat story a hundred times already. God. It's unbelievable. It's it's so unbelievable. (laughs) The ghost just pooped over all over everything. Everyone needs to go read that article because th- those are my favorite kind of articles because you never get to hear like the backroom dealings of right. an organization. Um, and he has a ton of sources. Now, the people on the Sun side say that this is all coming from like Earl Watson and whoever the coach was before that, uh, um, that it's mainly just coming from them. Interesting. And like Grant Hill has denied the story about him in there. Oh, so, oh I got to go read it now. Who knows? But it's a very good story. I recommend it. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. You guys uh, are awesome. And you guys have been leaving five-star iTunes reviews. And it's been super helpful to us. If you continue to do that, I know there's still a ton of you that have not had a chance to do that yet. Uh, it takes just five seconds. Just click on your purple podcast app if you have an iPhone. Search down to dunk, hit five stars. Uh, that would be great. You can also ask uh, your Amazon uh, voice-activated device to play Down to Dunk podcast now, which is kind of cool. Uh, so you should do that. I hope you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning. 